0: Holidays by Irving Eugene. She cleaned tables as usual that day, her 21st birthday. She always worked on weekends, but if things had gone according to plan that specific weekend, she would have been celebrating. The other worker had agreed to cover her shift, actually, and the chef was upset with her for being slow with the spaghetti and meatballs as well as the lasagna to customers' tables. This was not the best way to spend one's 21st birthday, but the other girl developed severe sickness. A rapid cold and gone to bed with unstoppable diarrhea and a fever of 103 degrees so she ended up working after all on short notice she found herself trying to support the sick girl who was greatly sorry for being a burden don't worry about it she said this is a typical 21st birthday it seemed that she was not all that disappointed one reason was the horrible fight she had had earlier in the week with her boyfriend who was supposed to be with her for her birthday they had been going together since high school and the argument had started from nothing much. It was bad enough that it ended their relationship. Something inside her had turned cold. They were not able to resolve issues and communicate with one another. This was one of the better-known Italian restaurants in New York. You can always find a decent Italian restaurant in the city or Long Island. It had been in business since the late 70s, and although its cuisine was hardly creative, its high reputation was fully justified. It had many common customers, and they invited family and friends. The dining room had a calm, relaxed atmosphere without a hint of pushiness. It catered to adults during the day, and young people late at night. Young people enjoyed a slice of pizza after a night of partying. The two full-time waiters worked six days a week. She and the other part-time waitress were NYU students who took turns working part-time each. In addition, there was one floor manager and, at the register, a mature woman who supposedly had been there since the restaurant opened, most likely related to the owners. She had exactly two roles, to use the cash register for the payers and to answer the phone for pickups and deliveries. She spoke only when necessary and always wore the same Italian restaurant shirt and comfortable jeans. She was drained from what life had to offer but possessed the slight loving compassion of that of a mother. The floor manager was an older gentleman. Average height and average build, his body suggested that he had been active in his youth, but excess flesh was now beginning to accumulate on his belly and chin. His bald head was well-kept and stylish, and he acquired a certain smell from being a dad, probably from cleaning after children, performing chores, and maintenance from his wife. His dad bod portrayed slight fitness but years of wear and tear. The manager was always professional. He wore a navy suit, white shirt, and tie. It was a point of pride for him that he could tie it perfectly without looking in the mirror. He focused on checking the arrival and departure of guests, keeping the reservation situation in mind, knowing the names of regular customers, greeting them with a smile, lending a respectful ear to any customer's complaints, giving expert advice on wines, and overseeing the work of the waiters and waitresses. He was well-mannered. He made it a routine to dress down on Friday, wearing similar to the woman at the cash register. It could be perceived as a uniform. It demonstrated solidarity. Casual Friday also made him appear not so bossy. The owner had his own room on the second floor of the same building where the restaurant was, she said, an apartment or office or something. It appeared that he would invite certain admired guests, high payers or friends. Randomly, she and I had gotten onto the subject of our 21st birthdays, going out for a legal drink or at least buying it. Most people remember the day they turned 21. Hers had happened more than five years ago. He never was that social. The only one who saw him was the manager. He was a busy person. None of the other employees knew what he looked like. It appears that the owner was getting home delivery from his own restaurant. Sure, she said. Every night at 8, the manager had to bring dinner to the owner's room. The restaurant had plenty of guests, and the manager was gone. They'd load the dinner onto one of those carts that hotels use for room service. The manager would push it onto the elevator, wearing a respectful look on his face. And 15 minutes later, he'd come back empty-handed. It was strange that the owner would eat alone or with guests and never on the main floor with the staff or other guests. The owner always had vodka sauce pasta. The recipe and the vegetable sides were a little different every day, but the main dish was always pasta. Everybody has their own routine. A young chef once stated that she attempted to send pasta with marinara sauce. All the owner did was leave a note on the card suggesting next time was penne alla vodka. Of course, a chef wants to try different ways of preparing things. It was futile. Work started out as usual on her 21st birthday, November 22nd. It had been poor weather all day, cloudy and drizzling. At 5 o'clock, the manager gathered the employees together to explain the day's specials. Servers were required to memorize chicken parmesan, eggplant parmesan, and fish. The restaurant opened its doors at 6 o'clock, but guests were slow to arrive because of the rain, and several reservations were simply canceled. Everything remained prepared, and pop music was played in the background with soft sounds throughout the area from stereo speakers. The weather outside contrasted with the atmosphere inside, allowing a cool draft. The food smelled good within the restaurant, providing a homely experience. It was after 7.30 when the manager started feeling sick. He was weak and on the verge of vomiting. He bent over to a chair and sat there for a while, pressing his stomach, as if he had suddenly been shot. It was excruciating pain, a sharp pain. He was sweaty and unable to relax. He had to be escorted to the hospital. Before leaving, he made it a point to provide vodka pasta to the owner. The rain continued, and therefore it was not too busy. Luckily, the restaurant could manage with less staff. When the owner's meal was ready at 8 o'clock, she pushed the room service cart onto the elevator and rode up to the second floor. It was the typical penne with vodka sauce coupled with drinks. For some reason, the boring meal seemed more appetizing than usual. She arrived at the office. The answer was delayed. A tall and decrepit old man answered. He was casually dressed. Some sort of polo t-shirt and khakis. He seemed fatigued. His gray hair was slightly messy. He appeared more friendly and laid back than suggested. A nice smile with plenty of wrinkles, maybe from many years of laughing and smiling. Your food is here, sir, she said. He replied, thank you. The manager suddenly became ill. I had to take his place today. Oh, all right, the old man said, almost as if talking to himself. He appeared annoyed, but laughed it off. Most likely he was a man who found comfort in routine. He became sick all of a sudden. It could be food poisoning or something more serious. We do not know. He went to the hospital. Oh, that's strange, the old man said, running his fingers along the wrinkles of his forehead. That's bad news. The old man opened the door the rest of the way, and she wheeled the food cart inside. The floor was covered in short black carpeting with no area for removing shoes. The first room was a large and clean, as though the apartment were more a workplace than a residence. The window looked out on the Empire State Building nearby, its steel skeleton outlined in lights. A large desk stood by the window, and beside the desk was a comfortable couch. The old man pointed to the wooden coffee table in front of the couch. She arranged his meal on the table, white napkin and silverware, coffee pot and cup, wine and wine glass, bread and butter, "'and the plate of pasta.' "'He said, "'I'll leave the stuff in the hall in an hour.' "'Yes,' she replied, bothered. "'Well then, sir, I'll be getting back to work.' "'No, hold on,' he said. "'Sir, do you think it might be possible "'for you to give me five minutes of your time, lady? "'I have something I'd like to say to you.' "'Okay,' she said, still worrisome and bored. "'By the way, how old are you?' the old man asked, "'standing by the table with his arms folded "'and looking directly into her eyes. "'I'm twenty-one now,' she said. Twenty-one? That's a big year, he repeated, in a good mood. Twenty-one. When is your birthday? Today's my birthday, sir. Today, is it? Today's your twenty-first birthday? She nodded, still confused and bewildered. That's wonderful. Well, then, happy birthday. Thank you very much, she said. Well, well, this is certainly a cause for celebration, he said. How about a little toast? We can drink this red wine. Thank you, sir, but I couldn't. I'm working now. Life is grand. We must make the most of it. The old man released an expensive and special bottle from his cabinet and poured a drink for both of them. "'Happy birthday,' he said. They clinked glasses. "'Your twenty-first birthday comes by only once. Enjoy it.' "'Yes, sir, I know,' she said, taking some wine, but feeling noticeably uncomfortable. "'And here, on your special day, you bring me food.' "'Just doing my job, sir.' The old man sat down in the leather chair by his desk and motioned her to the couch. She sat down but thought of the whole experience strange. I feel it is important for me to give you a birthday present. No, please don't, he replied. I'll grant you a wish. A wish? That's weird, she said. Just one wish. You can't change your mind afterward and take it back. One wish? I have to wish for something and it will happen? Do you have a wish? he asked in a good mood. This really did happen, she said, looking straight at me. I'm not making it up. Of course not, I said. She was not the sort of person to invent some goofy story out of thin air. Anyways, did you make a wish? She went on looking at me for a while and had an irritable face. Of course, I would want something for my birthday, but who offers a wish to a stranger or an employee for their birthday? I did not take it seriously. I agreed without saying anything. My birthday has been lame so far. I am working and tired. Nothing enjoyable or rememberable on what a special birthday is supposed to be. I agreed again. Sure, I said. I understand. So I made a wish. The old man made himself busy, the New York skyline appearing in the background. It seemed like a movie scene. The old man appeared puzzled. That is your wish? Yes, she said. That is my wish. Your demand is strange from a girl in your position. If it's no good, I'll wish for something else, she said, clearing her throat. I don't mind. Should I make another wish? No, no, the old man said, raising his hands and waving them like flags. There's nothing wrong with it, not at all. It's just a little surprising. I am just confused. The old man waited. Most girls would want to be prettier or smarter or rich, but I really can't imagine what would happen to me if any of those things came true. I do not know how to manage those things. I still don't really know what life is all about. I don't know how it works. Okay. So is my wish okay? Of course, he said, of course. It's no trouble at all for me. At first, the old man suddenly staring into nothing. He was busy for a moment, then nothing. That did it, he said. Your wish has been granted. Really? Yes, I did it. Your wish has been granted. Happy birthday. You may go back to work now. Don't worry, I'll put the cart in the hall. As she left, she was surprisingly in a good mood, optimistic and joyful. Are you okay? You look spaced out, the younger waiter said to her. She gave him an ambiguous smile and shook her head. Oh, really? No, I'm fine. Tell me about the owner. What's he like? Just a normal guy. An hour later, she brought the food cart back to the chef. The complete cart was empty and used. The office door was closed. The chef looked at the plate, empty as always, and nodded blankly. I never saw the owner again, she said. Never again. The manager turned out to have had just an ordinary stomachache and went back to delivering the owner's meal again. A few months later, I retired the job. and I've never been back to the place. I don't know. I just did not want to return. She played with her phone, thinking her own thoughts. Sometimes I get the feeling that everything that happened to me on my 21st birthday was fake. But it did happen. I remember everything in the office. There was an awkward silence. Do you mind if I ask you one thing, I asked. Go right ahead, she said. I imagine you're going to ask me what I wished for that time. That's the first thing you'll want to know. But it looks as though you don't want to talk about that. Does it? I laughed. She put her phone down. You're not supposed to tell anybody what you wish for, you know. I still have a lot of living left to do, probably. I do not know what is going to happen in the end. So, the wish takes time. You could say that. I am confused whether or not it was good or not. Things were silent again, but she seemed amused. I gave up questioning. I'm married now, she said, to a lawyer three years older than me, and I have two children. I drive a Mercedes Benz, and I have dinner parties with my girlfriends on weekends. That's the life I'm living now. Sounds pretty good to me, I said. What I'm trying to tell you is this. No matter what they wish for, no matter how far they go, people can only be themselves, that's all. She laughed and more amused. She rested her elbow on the bar and looked at me. Tell me, she said, what would you have wished for if you had been in my position? On the night of my 21st birthday, you mean? Yeah. I took some time to think about that, but I couldn't come up with a single wish. I was confused, slightly curious and upset, ensuring not to show my frustration. I can't think of anything after I thought for a moment. I'm too old now. You really can't think of anything? I nodded. Anything? Nothing. She looked into my eyes again, straight in, and said, that's because your wish already came true. Writing by Irving Eugene Dublin is full of girls named Kara, which simply means friend, and there are other girls named Shauna, which means God is gracious or present. She had two older brothers who were bartenders at an Irish pub, who had gotten their place through coming from the small village as a former pub bartender who had proven hard working and honest, and hence given his residencies and its products a good name. And these brothers had paid her away on the autobus to Dublin and gotten her a job as an apprentice waiter. She came from a part of town that was a bit away from the capital, yet had a strong community. Conditions were incredibly relaxed, food available, and some comforts, and she had worked hard ever since she could remember. She was a petite girl with very brown, rather straight hair, good smile, and smelled better than Irish Spring, skin with certain blemishes and freckles, freckles even in her hazel eyes. She possessed a quick mind and did her work well, and she loved her brothers, who seemed to attain a joking attitude and simple work ethic. She loved Dublin, which was still an unbelievable place, and she loved her work, which, done under bright lights, with clean linen, the wearing of evening clothes, And abundant drinks in the bar seemed romantically beautiful there were from eight to a dozen other people who lived at the residences and ate in the dining room but for cara the youngest of the three waiters who served at the table the only ones who really existed were the business travelers dublin ireland is a location for the representation of many international businesses low taxes friendly people and good drinks there was a splendid nightlife It is necessary for a business traveler to acclimate to their new location to give the appearance, if not of prosperity, at least of respectability, since attractiveness and attitude rank above courage as the virtues most highly prized in Ireland. And business people stayed at the Irish pub until their last drinks were gone. The most desired people were ones with silly wit. There is no record of any business traveler having left the Irish pub for a better or more expensive hotel. Mediocre business people never became first-rate but the descent from the hotel near the pub was swift since anyone could stay there who was making anything at all and a bill was never presented to a guest unasked until the owners who ran the place knew that the case was hopeless. At this time, there were many travelers living at Molly's. The hotel was luxurious for travelers, required lodging in Dublin during the spring season, but they were well paid and in the fixed employ of businessmen who were heavily contracted during the coming season, and some would probably make much more apiece than any typical traveler. Of the three business travelers, one was ill and trying to conceal it. One had passed his interesting fashion style as a typical and desired trend, and the third was weird. The strange one had at one time, until he had lost a lucrative financial deal at his first season as a complete business person, been exceptionally brave and remarkably skillful, and he still had many of the hearty mannerisms of his days of success a man living through the success of his past, inheritance from predecessors, and perhaps a relic of the past of old traditional means of practicing good business. He was jovial to excess and laughed constantly with and without provocation. He had, when successful, been very addicted to practical jokes, but he had given them up now. They took an assurance that he did not feel. This business traveler had an intelligent, very open face, and he carried himself with much style. The businessman, who was ill, was careful never to show it and was very detailed about eating a little of all the dishes that were presented at the table. He had a great many napkins which he intended to carry to his room, and lately he had been setting deals in private. He had prepared cheap deals before Christmas and another in the first week of April. They would hold him for the time being. His prized possessions were classical watches. They had been very expensive watches. He took good care of his possessions. Before he had become sick, he had been a very promising, even a sensational businessman. He noticed that his arrival to Dublin, Ireland, had made the tabloid news. He ate alone at a small table and looked up very little. The businessman who had once been revered was now very weak. He also ate alone at a separate table and possessed a stoic demeanor. Once upon a time, he was very cheerful and full of energy. He came from Italy, from a town where the people could be extremely serious. And he was a good businessman but his style had become outdated before he had ever succeeded in endearing himself to the public through his virtues, which were courage and a calm capability, and his name on a magazine was a relic of the past. His skill had been that he was very calculating, a duality of being entertaining to his partners as he planned to close many deals. Of the travelers, one was a thin, hawk-faced, gray-haired man, slim-built, but with legs and arms as hard as rocks. Who drank too much every evening and gazed amorously at any woman in the irish pub the other was big dark brown-faced good-looking with black curly hair and enormous hands both were great business travelers although the first was reputed to have lost much of his ability through drink and dissipation and the second was said to be too headstrong and quarrelsome to stay with any long-lasting capable business more than a single season another business traveler was middle-aged gray cat quick in spite of his years and Sitting at the table, he looked a moderately prosperous businessman. His legs were still good for the season, and when they should go, he was intelligent and experienced enough to keep regularly employed for a long time. There were all kinds of businessmen. Mostly, the attendants were aspiring moguls, young and naive travelers who placed a good time over accomplishments. They believed they still had time and wanted to make fun memories before it was truly time to commit to something, to make something of themselves. Business and pleasure do go together. On this evening, everyone had left the dining room except the hawk-faced traveler who drank too much. At that time, spirits were included in the price of the room and board at the Irish pub, and the waiters had just brought fresh bottles of Guinness to the tables of the business people. The three waiters stood at the end of the room. It was the rule of the house that they should all remain on duty until the diners whose tables they were responsible for should all have left. Kara had agreed to take over the table. Upstairs, the business traveler, who was ill, was lying face down on his bed alone. The traveler, who was no longer as valued, was sitting looking out of his window, preparing to walk out to the cafe. The business traveler, who was a coward, had the older brother of Kara in his room with him and receiving his help. The business traveler was saying, "'Look at those greedy men drink.' "'That's no way to speak,' said the waiter. "'They are decent clients. They do not drink too much. "'There are the two issues of Ireland.' the weather, and the jobs. Look at the plenty of drinks of Dublin, said one waiter. It is now half past eleven o'clock and we are still drinking. They only started to eat at ten, said the other waiter. As you know, there are many dishes. That beer is delicious and these have paid for it. It is a rewarding beer. How can there be solidarity of workers with fools like you, asked one waiter. Look, said the second waiter, who was a man of fifty, I have worked all my life. In all that remains of my life, I must work. I have no complaints against work. To work is normal. Yes, but the lack of work kills. I have always worked, said the older waiter. Go on to the meeting. There is no necessity to stay. You are a fine friend, said the other waiter, but you lack ingenuity. Kara had said nothing. One of the businessmen could remember when he had been good and it had only been three years before. He could remember the pleasantries and the courtship, the good money and the praise. If there were women in the room, he stared at them. If there were no women, he would stare with enjoyment at a foreigner. But lacking women or strangers, he now stared with enjoyment and insolence at the two other businessmen. The two other businessmen did not stare back at the other. One of them was saying, I have spent a week here, out of boredom. Dull from his consistent drunken haze. What is there to do? Nothing. What can one do? One cannot go against authority. I have been here for a while and nothing. I wait and they will not see me. We are from the abandoned country. When the money runs out, we can return. To the abandoned country. Who cares for Dublin? It seems wholesome, yet money flows in and out like a true island. Dublin is where one learns to understand. Dublin destroys Ireland. If they would simply see one and refuse, no, you must be broken and worn out by waiting. Well, we shall see. I can wait as well as another for a drink. It Will Be a Long Time by Irving Eugene There was a boy that contemplated life. He was lost in his own mind. A beautiful disaster. He was happiest in his room. He did everything in his room. Ate in his room. Sex in his room. Sleep in his room. Watch movies in his room. Read in his room. Write in his room. Everything outside his room was lost in translation. A white wall, 4 by 4 side enclosure. The only way in and out was a white door. It was a quaint room. Many bedrooms like it. It is a small world after all. The only difference was the posters and the people who entered. Posters of maps of popular visited cities. Posters of favored musicians. Images of inspirational athletes. A calendar that could be better utilized. A dart game to compete with visitors. A scientific poster. That was enough to capture personality. The necessity of a small television for entertainment. It was connected to an Xbox. A cabinet filled with drawers of sentimental value, electronics, and vices. On top of it, a small collection of idolized books, a high school class photo, religious paraphernalia, and whatever times that cluttered there. Like water bottles and beer cans. There were healthy items, like Advil, laxatives, etc., used cautiously a mini-fridge to store his essential drinks, most of the time empty from constant use. He had central air, a fan, and an air purifier, all of them that made too much noise in a small and cluttered room. There was a desk where most of the magic happened, a glass-clear desk that was always a mess from papers and received mail. It was an attempt to be neat with containers of pens, pencils, and office supplies. The desk's main purpose was to hold his laptops of stored secrets and writing, many nights staring at that dark electronic screen that turned bright with limitless opportunities, a black mirror. The room was split in half by the mirror closet reflecting the bed. Guests liked this feature. The closet was full of clothes, prized possessions, and memorabilia. The queen-sized bed was positioned to look at oneself through the mirror, up at the artificial celestial night sky or at the television. It was difficult to keep the bed well-kept as you did everything on the bed. Was it pointless to fix it three or maybe four times a day? or once but never be comfortable enough to make it your own. Struck with disease from the outside world, depression, and disoriented thoughts, the room could be either an escape or confinement. The area was gray. It ranged from a place of pleasure or an imprisonment of loathing. As any person, it was a battle. Many people entered and exited the room. Parents, siblings, girlfriends, ex-girlfriends, friends, strangers, police, healthcare workers, all walks of life some warranted and others not so much, some with the rightful host's welcome and at other times without supervision. It's a weird thought as to the visitors of your room past a decade. As depression lingered at one time, the young man posted, I'm dead, I'm dead, I'm dead. The room went dark. Then the entire house went silent and dark. He locked himself in the room and there was banging on the door for entrance.